This is Dojo Live, Tech Without Borders, stories that bring us together. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Dojo Live. Today is June the 30th. And I, of course, I got my fellow teammate, Kim Lantis, joining me today against her will. Right, Kim? <laughs> a little bit. Let's go hose. A little bit, yeah. No, but yeah, you do great. You'll do great. So uh, joining us. And, also, and of course, for the first time, we got Bea here, Beatriz Grajales, our very own audience development manager, broadcasting live from the city, the beautiful city of Merida, Yucatan in Mexico. Welcome, Bea. This is your first time. Okay. Yeah, it's my first time here in Dodo yeah. Live. Yeah, so you'll do great, Bea. In front, of, in front of the camera, anyway. In front of a camera, because you're always behind us. Yeah. yeah. And then, of course, then there's the reason why we do this, which is our guests. And today, I'm very um, happy to introduce Prakash Hosali, Prakash Hosali, the, the co-founder and CEO, CEO of Aquila Labs. So... Uh, Prakash, welcome to today's edition of Don't You Live and welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you here. Okay. Uh, thank you, Carlos, for having me uh, in Dojo Live. And the good thing is that we are all remote so that we don't have to wrestle each other. So I'm very glad that. Uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm so happy to be in this Dojo. Uh, Perfect. Thanks for having me. It's our pleasure, Prakash. Okay. So, well, Prakash. Um, I'd, let's, um, I'd like to ask you something first before we continue with the topic. So tell us a little bit about, tell us us and the audience a little bit about you. Let's start with that. Who is Prakash, Prakash Hosali, please? Let's start with that. Uh, who is Prakash Hosali? It's a, it's a question for the ages, but I think it's, it's, it's a very simple <laughs> answer. Uh, I am a, a, a very uncomplicated, at least in, in my mind, a person who is, been on some uh, crazy journey, uh, starting off, uh, you know, in India, where my first career was uh, in the Indian Army as a paratrooper. Uh, from there, I moved because I married really well uh, into the, uh, you know, into the information technology field, and I've been an immigrant uh, to Americas for the last twenty-one years, and I am uh, a perfect. In fact, we are a perfect example of uh, what America means to a lot of people around the world. Uh, and as part of uh, this continuation of uh, you know the crazy pursuit, uh, I am also the co-founder of uh, Aquila Labs. Uh, full disclosure, this company was founded by my wife, as I mentioned, who is I'm married really uh, you know up as far as I'm concerned. Uh, she mm -hmm. has got uh, she's a computer science research. Uh, and she has worked in software, and it is her brainchild. And I am what I consider uh, to be a glorified janitor for my company. That I basically yeah. <laughs> uh, do everything else, and she's the brains. So, uh, so she's so far out of your league that you literally had to jump out of an airplane to get her attention. <laughs> uh, it, it was, in fact, we met uh, by coincidence in a in a botanical garden back in India, and I was. To be honest, a little drunk uh, when I met her, it was day drinking. So, and that's how I met her, and she was very impressed with me because she met me only for a few hours, and the rest of the courtship happened 
uh, across uh, a thousand miles when we were writing handwritten letters. People were talking about the 90s when there was no Instagram or uh, you know yeah, yeah. Uh, social media. So handwritten letters, which was delivered to me on mules uh, at an altitude of 15 and a half thousand feet. So trust me, we have some uh, really old style courtship. And from there, uh, we got married. Uh, we moved to this country in 2000. Uh, so as far as my American brain is concerned, I've just become eligible to start drinking. So I'm 21 years old, as far as the American side of my brain is concerned. So again, that's my story. And uh, we've got two boys, uh, uh, you know, expected really suck at sport, very good at uh, math. So works out perfectly for us. So. Awesome. That, that's, that's our story. Interesting story, uh, Prakash, uh, whatever you look at it. So... <laughs> Uh, tell us about Aquila Labs. What is your value proposition? What problem do you solve? Tell us a little bit about that, please. I mean, Aquila Labs started off as uh, it's almost like uh, you know it was a dare that we uh, you know presented to ourselves as uh, somebody from technology background. Uh, we had that chutzpah that a lot of people from technology background is that okay, uh, this is a big problem in healthcare. Why can't we solve it? And, uh, and as we were trying to solve this problem, so our first focus was on preventive health is that, okay, this should not be that difficult. Why is it so difficult for people to stay healthy? Uh, because we knew that what is the cost of lifestyle uh, has on the uh, you know, healthcare system. It is just not a problem in uh, US or Western countries. This is a problem in India and in China. Uh, chronic diseases caused by lifestyle uh, is eats up the biggest chunk of healthcare dollars or rupees or rubles anywhere in the world. So we started off as this challenge is that can we use technology, especially AI, to understand uh, all the data that is available to us through smartphones, smartwatches, and figure out a way to map people's behavior and use that to you know, tweak that gently over a period of time so that they can become healthy. So our proposition, and the problem that we were trying to solve is that, can we uh, do that? As we did that, spent a few years doing pilots at two hospitals in New York, we realized is that we were up against uh, a lot of competition and there was a lot of legacy in terms of trying to make people healthy. Sorry, go ahead. I think you wanted to ask me something. Carlos? No, no, not at all. I think- No, no I, I, I got it. Sorry. We'll uh, just finish uh, up the, the history of Aquila and then move on to today's topic, yeah, so, but please so, continue. Yeah, so, so as we did that, so the first foray of our uh, company was in preventive health, especially diabetes prevention. From there, what we realized is that we have to become even more clinical, that our technology that we have built has got applications beyond diabetes prevention, that it can become the foundational technology for managing chronic diseases, that it can be used to train athletes. It can be part of uh, government programs. With my background in the army, I think it can be used to keep our armed forces in good shape, uh, especially because it is a very holistic way of looking at health. So I know it is a long-winded answer, but the problem is really huge. And we wanted to make sure that, uh, I wanted to make sure that I described what has been our evolution. So in its current form, we are providing, using our technology uh, as a health as a service offering so that it can be used by any business to integrate with their offering. So if you are, say, a telemedicine company, you can integrate our technology 
so that you can manage the engagement with your patients when they when the consultation ends what happens between the clinical visits is what we take over that we manage the relationship we manage the engagement we keep them healthy we understand the analytics and then we give the same uh, insights and analytics back to the provider so that when the next encounter happens that you are not starting from scratch again that you are not going back to medical records to figure out so we provide the continuity of care between two uh, visits with your clinician same analogy can be applied to uh, coaching uh, if you are a high school athlete what happens to you between the time uh, somebody coaches you you know are you sleeping well are you taking care of yourself are you recovering well so all those things so ours is kind of a foundational technology that can be used to essentially improve the health and wellness okay. and disease management of your customers patients perfect awesome which, so uh, kim, i'm sorry kim did i yeah, no which brings us to today's topic of course yeah exactly i was going to say that so kim please go ahead Thank you, Carlos and Prakash. Uh, thank you for being here. I have to say, one of your introduction was one of the funnest introductions I think we've had so far. I don't know if I've laughed that much in a while. And Carlos, I do want to be here. It's a bit against my will because, disclaimer here, folks, my appearance, <laughs> I apologize. PTO today had to jump in because Tulio uh, had a little bit of uh, something that would, made him unable to make it. I've been cleaning my house all day because I'm I'm on my way on a road trip, so forgive me. <laughs> You're forgiven, Kim. No, no explanation needed. I'm sure. That, well, there I'm is sure. an explanation needed. <laughs> no explanation needed, Kim. Right, this is... Thank you so much. Uh, but behavioral AI, that is the topic of today. Behavioral AI, how can AI address the growing and unsustainable costs of healthcare, especially managing lifestyle-driven chronic diseases? Now, Prakash, my first question for you, given what you've already explained a little bit about Akiva, would be, when I first read behavioral AI, my interpretation was it was the artificial intelligence that was doing the behaving. But I'm getting the sense that your artificial intelligence is in fact tracking behavior. Uh, which of those two is it? Uh, yes, it is. It is both tracking and uh, if when it gets to a stage where it can understand the correlation between the variables that affect somebody's behavior that it can actually also modify it uh, using cognitive behavior principles so so when we say behavioral ai those two words uh, have is a more tighter uh, bond that they affect each other so the behavior affects the ai the ai affects the behavior that's one reason we uh, honed on to this uh, kind of catchword for us uh, it's not a gimmick uh, we are not trying to trademark it or anything like that it is just a way to explain what do we mean by behavior because ultimately, if you really want to um, make people healthy, you have to understand their behavior. And by the way, behavioral AI is used by a lot of companies. Uh, behavioral AI is the basis for all the kind of ad-driven media landscape that we've been used to for the last 70, 80 years, right? Essentially, but that is mass behavior modification, right? You are using. Now, uh, companies like Facebook and Twitter and all these companies use targeted uh you know add what is that it is essentially understanding mapping your behavior or your uh you know your model of who you are and targeting the ad for you so it is personalization of the ad it is used it is used by shopping right when somebody gives you a recommendation when you buy a book counter so this 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 concept is not new but i think it is absolutely new in terms of using it for 
health because when it comes to health i think we suddenly become very coy in trying to deploy these kind of technologies to actually help people we have no problems as a society as companies to use that to make people fight with each other on social media increase the engagement by because ultimately those algorithms have figured out that behavior and that exactly. behavior is that if you post pictures of your cats yet you will get engagement but trust me you will get more engagement if you can somehow figure out how to get cat, cat hating people to come and visit your post the engagement certainly uh, you know and by the way this is just an example but you know companies have understood it they are exploiting it now what are what our hypothesis and our claim is that we can you do the same to actually help people right if we understand okay. the behavior and the data or the r engine does it can become an unbiased uh, uh you know entity that can help you become better and it uses your own data we are not supported by ad models nothing like that there's not no external uh, force acting on that relationship between our engine and the because, user because one of the keywords here in your in your uh, subject line here is lifestyle driven chronic disease right it's my, if it's my lifestyle then you, in effect it's my behaviors that you, st you stole my question Kim. you stole my disease, question i will right? oh <laughs> i'll never forgive you for that you stole my question so so uh, by the way this was all an act she was already so she is so this was all an act she was just there to come and make sure that she can overshadow you Ah, yeah, yeah, right. She I, always does. Close, you'll see my unbrushed teeth. So. <laughs> I don't mind. She's she brings this uh, fun energy to the show all the time. So, I think I'd like to add to add to what Kim just mentioned. I'm just wondering what uh, if you can give us like some examples of what a uh, uh, lifestyle-driven chronic disease would be. That would be of great help. And this is because well, uh, some of us have been recently. Uh, uh, maybe exposed or uh, I don't know how to put that, but maybe close to some illnesses that have to do with specific lifestyles, right? So, and I'm, or, or, or poor lifestyle choices. Okay. So would you mind giving us an example of what, a, what you consider to be a lifestyle driven chronic disease, for example, and then we can elaborate from there. So essentially lifestyle, uh, lifestyle driven chronic disease are essentially diseases that have, come about uh, as our uh, you know our lifespans have increased uh, so for example uh, you know 200 years back uh, people didn't have diabetes because they would die off uh, you know when they were in their 40s right mm -hmm. so essentially uh, lifestyle diseases are uh, you know an outcome of a good thing that our lifespans have increased but our lifestyle has increased our access to food has increased and we have become sedentary in our lifestyle, right? This is a perfect example of the fact that we cannot, you know, brush our teeth and be here talking to each other, right? Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> see, Kim, see. <laughs> so, so, but, but again, so the point is that so the the best example of a lifestyle uh, driven chronic disease, which actually also can be uh, driven genetically, is diabetes. So, for example, type one diabetes is. Um, uh, is is related to uh, you know it's it's you're born with that defect not defect uh, born with that condition mm -hmm. um, but type two diabetes is generally a combination of uh, genetics and uh, your lifestyle essentially is that you you know it's di it's poor diet poor nutrition uh, uh, 
you know, lack of exercise, uh, lack of, uh, you know, high stress environment, uh, mm-hmm. lack of sleep, uh, even uh, things like, uh, you know, what kind of uh, environment you are in, all right, pollution, uh, you know, the kind of gut bacteria you have, all those things kind of act on you over a long period of time that, uh, you know, turns you, you know, aids in becoming diabetic. There is also uh, a correlation with, you know, the amount of sunlight you can process and the vitamin D you get. So, so there are a lot of factors, but it is all just related to the fact that we are alive and that causes wear and tear and diabetes is a perfect example. You also have this hypertension, cardiovascular disease, uh, and these those used to be treated as kind of separate this thing, but now there is, uh, you know, an agreement that all these things are interrelated. That diabetes can drive, uh, you know, cardiovascular disease. That hypertension can, uh, you know, affect how you are able to deal with diabetes, or uh, that it also affects your aging-related diseases like Alzheimer and dementia. Uh, it can also affect, uh, you know, inflammation-driven diseases. Uh, and cancer is a perfect example of that. So all these things are kind of lifestyle disease, but I, you know, we consider diabetes as, uh, I know if you know of the concept of a mother sauce in French cooking, we consider diabetes as the bechamel sauce, you know, on on top uh-huh, of it, you uh-huh. can add something else and it becomes another disease. Uh, so that is, that is our analogy as far as lifestyle disease. Diabetes is the biggest uh-huh. of all. Uh, like in US alone, somebody who becomes diabetic costs about seventeen thousand dollars a year to the healthcare system uh, per person. So that's that's kind of the right. impact of these. Talk about unsustainability. So how yeah. you, right? Prakash, uh, I have one question. I want to know your perspective about medicine and technology. How we can use uh, that techno- technology specific the uh, in, uh, artificial intelligence in the preventing medicine. And how does Aquila help uh, wellness in a company or in a person? So, so uh, when I when I hear the term medicine, do you mean pharma medicine or just medicine? Right. I mean, I just want to be clear: is that because I've got answer for both. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, so in terms of how it can help individuals and companies, right? There is a vested interest as an individual. Obviously, right? I mean, it's my personal exam. And I was lucky, by the way, because I, I got to join the army. Uh, you know, the Indian government spent a lot of money on training me. So I was lucky to get exposure to uh, becoming healthy very early in my life. So so I was able to, you know, carry that forward. But a lot of people, uh, including my own family, uh, you know, generationally have not been exposed to this idea of, you know, physical fitness uh, and even food, the relationship that we have with food is driven by, uh, you know, our experience as a species with famine and feasting, right? So we have been exposure to that. So so there is the relationship with food that we have is also uh, driven by, you know, the way we, uh, you know, think because of our history, right? So all these things kind of gives you a disadvantage straight up front, right? And then on top of that ad is, certain groups of people who have this genetic predisposition to becoming diabetic. So you could have as a three part, you know, freight truck that hits you. And most of the time people don't do it because they are lazy or it is not at all like that. And by the way, behavior, even bad behavior, uh, people feel good about 
you know, indulging in that. It is, it's a weird way of, because we are creatures of habit. So, so, so it is a, it's a, it's a, it's a tough problem to solve at an individual level, at a company level or a society level. It is absolutely in our interest because A, it takes away resources and, you know, the resources that you are spending, say, taking care of people for their health could be deployed to improve the infrastructure. It could be deployed to, uh, you know, discover new technologies that can help us to fight climate change. We are not able to do that because, for example, in U.S., one, almost one fifth of the economy uh, is GDP is pushed towards healthcare, which is uh, generally a non-productive part of the uh, GDP. So I know I have gone into this field. So my point is that, so, so the way we have thought about this problem is to take ownership of the personalization of dealing with the individual, right? So when we do that, we take over that responsibility so that it becomes easy for an individual to not have to make these complex decisions on a daily basis. Uh, you know, I can give you an example of how looking at my own data that it is so complicated. I've got about two GB of data from my Apple Watch. Try analyzing this data on your own, right? So it is very difficult for an individual to try, uh, ask a provider or a health coach to do it. A person cannot do that. So we have, we absolutely have to deploy technology like AI. And AI works best when you're trying to personalize it. Because yes, it can give you insights about the masses, but you really, and then for a company that, or a entity that wants to deploy this technology, it is in their interest because they get a lot of insights so that they can take their patient population or their employee population and actually segment it so that they can deploy resources in over and above what they are using for Aquila so that they can now say, okay, the 20% of the population, they have some other problems that Aquila cannot solve. We will give that insight you know, in a few weeks instead of waiting for six months. And then we can say that, look, we can handle 60% of your population, but the other 40%, you devise some programs which requires maybe a load, little more in-person uh, touch that they require is a little more, maybe they have some issues around their mental health, that they have problems say, with sleep or they have anxiety about you know, their financial situation. There is no mm -hmm. way our technology. So that is basically how we can help companies as well as individuals. Oh, Prakash, I have yeah. one more question, and then I'm going to pass it on to Kim and Bea for wrap up because we're approaching the final segment of today's conversation. Uh, I can I can uh, perceive the possibility that you might be acquiring like tons of data just by having a lot of people, a lot of, all all of your user base, uh, establishing uh, the, the the their health baseline and goals, right? So. There's like a ton of data that can, is being generated and processed and, and acted upon. So in that context, how, would you, looking a little bit ahead into the future, how do you envision Aquila's contribution to maybe, um, um, uh, maybe government-sponsored uh, programs, health programs or health authorities to actually alleviate the impact of the, the habits that are conducive to a health problem like diabetes? And by the way, that's a really good question. And that also is our kind of moat that we are building to uh, you know, protect our business is that that behavior data that we are building, it's not just data, the raw data that we collect from the users, it is the interaction with that raw data, right? What happens mm -hmm. 
you know, so it is it is a lot of metadata which is there in that behavior data. And, and that is also one of the services that we would provide to our business partners is to provide insights with that data. It's not just that it is data that we can provide you with insight so mm -hmm. that you can deploy your resources more effectively. That you are not, say, if you have as, uh, you know, $100 to spend, you know, spend across say hundred people. We will tell you is deploy. Uh, maybe, you know, give give us ten dollars. We'll take care of sixty percent of your population. Now you have is ninety dollars or eighty dollars that you can tactically or more strategically deploy for those groups of people. So yeah, you're absolutely right. This can become a great place for us to do research on. You know, how can our data be used to do prediction for say mm -hmm. aging? related disease can it be done to predict who is likely to be hospitalized to control cause or somebody who might have is uh, you know issues with their mental health we are also uh, if users allow we also uh, take in their financial data so we can create uh, you know we can use that to also predict is that if there is a problem with the financial you know based on the time of the month that what happens to you that we can predict that and we can use that right. to help this. So there are a lot of possibilities, not only for uh, you know government, but other companies also Absolutely. that are interested yeah. in our data. Even I think I see a prediction of where do we need to increase specialists in whatever disease. It's going to happen, and it's going to the growing population is going to be here. This is where you need to build your hospital. This is where you need to start investing in cardiologists or whatever it might be. I can see that application as well. As I listen to you, Prakash, I can't help but remember uh, a dojo live we had a couple weeks, months, geez, time flies um, ago with, I don't know, perhaps you've heard of her, Sherry, I think her last name is pronounced Yang or Shang. She's the CEO of a company called Gino Palette. And what they're able oh, to yeah, do, yeah, 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 yeah. you send in, I think like a saliva swab or whatever, and they can use technology to deeply analyze your genome and help you with your personalized nutrition. Um, and so what I'm hearing here is this trend toward personalization. We now have had you know centuries of medicine, which is awesome, but we're getting to that point where we can't general we don't need to generalize anymore where we can focus on individualizing things so i just think you should talk to her and see what you guys can't do with the individualized very personal genetic analysis combined with your behavioral analysis and oh yeah we're, i, I can't super soldiers <laughs> i'll do i'll do i'll do an intro and i'll do an intro and you guys can take it from there yeah <laughs> uh, and, and by the way if you look at our uh, data model uh, genetic information is one of the variables. So it is not that, so we are interested in your genetic information as well as your credit card habits. Again, not to uh, use that to sell you crap. That's the whole point is that we don't mm -hmm. want to be exploitative. That it is, you give us the data, you pay us a subscription fee and the, you are our users, you are not the product. Uh, so we are very, very clear on that. That's one reason we'll not have ad driven or any kind of, uh, you know, you know, supported, uh, you know, that it will be a transactional so that it is very clear is that we owe our loyalty to the patients. And that's pretty much what it is. Prakash, we're coming up on time, unfortunately, but, uh, you know, all good things come to an end eventually. But before we do that, uh, do you, for those who might be watching out there, uh, do you have any final words of wisdom? And it could be anything uh, regarding your journey, building uh, your company, anything you want to share before we go? 
Yeah, I want to share. Uh, so one thing I, I know a lot of people during pandemic became professional, uh, you know, bread makers and this thing. And I have been working on this accent. So I just want to be very clear that this accent is all fake. Uh, I have been working on this through my pandemic. Now that was a little uh, joke. I also, I'm a failed comedian also. So that's the reason I want to keep on cracking Jokes? These. We don't know. We don't know what a joke here is on Dota Live. I know it is so. I mean, Never, I no ever. Exactly. God forbid. So, I mean, so anyhow, no, my, uh, one, uh, I know if there is a message of what one thing I really uh, believe that you should really invest in your health. I think uh, even before anything else, right? It is like, uh, I'm not, I'm borrowing somebody else's, uh, this, uh, this thing, it is like putting the oxygen mask on yourself before you even put it on your child uh, in an airplane, right? That should right. be your focus is that, uh, and I think if we do that, uh, everything else will, come out of it. So for me, personal message, if I want to give is that focus on your health, all your goals for the week should be about whatever is your physical activity or exercise goals. That is more important. Money, all the hustle that you do is completely unimportant. First is that. Second is, uh, you know, have is obviously work is important that you are focusing on that. And the third is that you reinforce all this with social interaction, which is your family. What I meant to say is that as far as I'm concerned, my personal health is the first thing I care about. The last thing I care about is my kids. So that was awesome. Awesome. That was excellent. <laughs> so, Bea, there you have it. There's a whole bunch of quotes in there for you to use, right, for the next coming weeks. <laughs> so much content. So, Thank you, Parker. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> a whole bunch of quotes are you going to be taking advantage of. All right. And well, I'll get cancelled on Twitter. So that's so there you go. Oh, no, no, no. We won't. We're, okay. all, we're all about good stuff here, good vibrations. So, Prakash, it's been a pleasure to have you here on Dojo Live today. And uh, uh, I'm just going to ask you to stick around before we wrap, uh, when we before we go off the air. Uh, I just have a quick announcement about this week's last show, which is tomorrow right here on Dojo Live. And that is we're going to be speaking with Maju Kuruvilla, the chief product officer, chief product and technology officer at Bolt and bold.com and the topic is going to be the future of shopping identity power commerce i look forward to that one should be as interesting as ever we're going to be answering the question can identity power commerce help retailers survive the, the cookie apocalypse so look let's stay tuned for that one folks right here on dojo live and bea thank you again kim thank you Again, one more time. Thank you for for showing up without brushing your teeth. We're okay with that. And of course, our guest, Prakash. It was a pleasure to have you here. Uh, and uh, let's stay tuned. Let's stay connected and stay safe. Safe, everyone. Thank you. Thank Thanks you. a lot. Thank you. Check out past episodes, transcripts, blogs, and more on our website, dojo.nearsoft.com dot com.